here in this book, the book of Romans, um, I had the privilege of preaching uh, actually uh, verse 1 of chapter 12 up at uh, Hutch's church. I didn't know that, but verses 1 and 2 has, was his life verses. He, he really incorporated those two verses into his life. Uh, as I've mentioned to you, I don't have a life verse. I, I, I have many of them, it appears. It seems like every time I study through something, I put a staple on it. That's my life verse, but uh, it varies. And, but I, I got a chance to preach some of this message up there. And what I talked about was the very importance of what has been taking place up to this 12th chapter. Let's refresh our memories. Paul has been driving home the whole idea about faith. He has taught it so clearly that in the 6th chapter, he taught grace, God's unmerited favor, connected to God's faith or faith in God. He taught that so clearly that the people were saying, well, if we can sin and still have God love us, why don't we sin all the more, which enables Him to pour more grace upon us, makes Him look better. Well, Paul uses the strongest negative that you can in Scripture. And he says, may that never be. God forbid, he says. How can you who have died to sin still live in it? You are, do you not know that you are now alive with Christ and we're not to sin anymore? at least not to make it a practice within our lives. And so what he taught through those first 11 chapters was the wonders of faith. And he drove home the very fact that you can come to Christ and you are to come to Him alone. He and He alone. And there's nothing that you can bring of any merit to make you more saved than just faith. It is faith and faith alone. And so he is driving that home. And he says, because of that, God wants to give you. He wants to give to you everlasting life. So we've been studying that. We should understand that now very, very clearly. For by grace, you and I have been saved through faith. And that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not a result of work so that none of us should boast. So that's the point Paul is making. You are saved. If you've come here and you're investigating about salvation, we are honored that you would come and trust us with this uh, trying to teach to you what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ and He alone for your salvation. And we want to explain that to you. Paul has done a beautiful job and we'll try to continue. But now, in chapter 12, Paul reverses gears, so to speak. He now turns the table upon us. He says, this is what you have received as a gift, everlasting life. Now, he says, you are to give back to God in return your service. You are to serve Him. And so he begins, if you remember with me, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He says, let's read up to verse 8. He says in verse 1 and 2, we've studied this already, so we will go over it, but not not during this service. We'll kind of more concentrate on verses 3 to 8. But he says, I urge you, verse 1, I urge you therefore, brethren, in other words, talking to the family of God, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Then he says in verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world. Rather, he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, that which is acceptable, and that which is perfect. Now he goes on to say, And through the grace that has been given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allowed to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually we are members one of another. Verse 6, And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them, the gifts, accordingly. Then he goes on to mention a few gifts, but he doesn't even scratch the surface of how many gifts there are given to the body of Christ through God the Holy Spirit. And so he says in verse 6, at the middle of verse 6, If prophecy, then prophesize according to the portion of your faith. If service, in serving. If, if for the one who teaches, in his teaching. Or he who exhorts, in his exhortation. And he who gives, give with liberality. And he who leads, lead with diligence. And he who shows mercy, show mercy with cheerfulness. And so Paul is just basically there. He's just telling us, if you have these gifts, whatever gifts it is that you have, use it so as to honor the Lord your God. And he says, all of you have different gifts. Not all of us have the same gift. We are to use these gifts so as to build up the body of Christ. That's, God. That's Paul's point through God the Holy Spirit to the family of God. And that's what I want to try and tell you this morning. I want to try to explain that to you in such a fashion that you get it. That you get it beyond a shadow of a doubt. Because if you really want blessings in your life, and I know that you do, it starts and ends with your serving the Lord once you've come to trust in Him and honoring Him through service. As he says in verse 1, don't forget it. I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God. It is your spiritual service of worship. Now, let's pray. Father, please bless us this morning. I ask your blessings upon the Hutchison family. For Pat, for the children, I pray for the church as they have now their, I guess their first Sunday, maybe not, but one of their first Sundays without Hutch there. And um, um, I, I just pray that the reali- reality of that is is um, that, th- that they handle that, Father, very graciously and wonderfully. Pray that those that are left there and those who will be speaking will, will fill that gap, Father. Um, now, Father, I pray for us. I pray for this wonderful, wonderful church and wonderful people here. I pray that you would open up our eyes, dear Lord, that we might behold wonderful things that come from your law. And I pray that you'd move me aside so that I do not hinder what you want to say to us this morning. Father, this is much too important for me to try to undertake it on my own power. And so I pray that you'll bless us, Father. Allow us to be led by God the Holy Spirit. If we need to be comforted, please comfort us, Father. If we need to be convicted, so be it, Lord. 
Whatever it is that you wish to do with us, Father, may you do this. And we pray that we would hear, hear your voice and respond to you, Father. I pray this in the most precious name of all. That is the name of your Son, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me get through this for you. Let's, let's take a look at this because it's really critically important. Paul is explaining what living a holy sacrifice, a holy life, truly what it looks like. He's going to tell us how the Lord has given us spiritual gifts to each one of us as He so desires to use for His glory, to use to serve Him with our lives. He tells us, though, first in verse 3, what I give to you, what is given to you as a gift, you ought not to become proud of. Don't become braggadocious about this God-given spiritual gift that has been given to you by God. No, we are to use those things to His glory. No matter how well-grounded you and I might be in the Word of God, no matter how theologically we may sound we may be, no matter how anxious or or eager we are to serve the Lord, our gifts will not operate effectively until self is set aside. Until you and I humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and allow Him to lead in all of our lives, in all that we do, that He would be the one that we, we try to uplift. It's a very important lesson to learn. I, I've said to you before, and I've, I've never said anything more seriously in my life, I've never once, that, to my knowledge, ever once, preached a message with the people in mind. I've always preached the message to please the Lord my God. I felt like if I could do that, then He will do the rest. And no matter what it is that you do, whether it's working in the kitchen or, or helping or, or greeting people or working administratively or whatever your gift may be, if you can do it to honor the Lord your God, then you've got a leg up on what is a blessing that will be coming your way. You know what's interesting, so interesting to me about all of this concerning our faith and these gifts that we have? Jesus desires to use you and me as believers, those of us who have transformed our lives by the renewing of our minds. He uses us as what Paul calls bond servants. The word bond servant is the, the lowest of all the servants. He, in other words, he's talking about humility. He says you ought not to think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think because it is God who has given you the gift in the first place. And actually, this ministry, serving the Lord, is a huge undertaking if you take it seriously. And it should be. Paul says as much. In, 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 a, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, Paul says these words. He says, Let people regard you and me in this manner. Let them regard us as servants of Christ, stewards of of the mysteries of God. Second verse he says, in this case moreover, it is required of those of us who are stewards, servants of God, that we be found trustworthy. In other words, faithful. In other words, obedient to what God has for us. And so humanly speaking, this life that you and I live, our faithfulness, our our uh, obedience, our uh, 
availability unto the Lord. The basic truth of that is that Jesus Christ has chosen to use you and me as, as his own hands and feet and mouths. Those of us who belong to Jesus Christ, in that sense, he, our Father who is in heaven, has no hands, no feet, no mouth, but ours. And he wants to use us. Does that not blow you away? To me, that is the most amazing, amazing thing that God Almighty would, would use me of all people to serve him. Whatever the gift might be. I'm not talking about, that might have sounded like I was talking about, oh, the preacher. Well, the preacher, as we're going to learn in a minute, is not the most important. He's just one of, of all of us who are important. But that God would use you and me in an area of giftedness that he has given us for his glory. That's, a, that's an amazing thing in my life. Remember what he told the disciples and us in, that, in, in reality, told us all. In Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20, he says, I want you to go into the world, all the world, he says. And I want you to make disciples of all the nations. He want, I want you to teach them to observe all that I have commanded you, Jesus says, even until the end of the age. Obviously, this means that we are to do this until he returns. This is our ministry, to go into the world and to, and to use the gift that he has given to us so as to build up the body of Christ. This is truly your and my job today. The question is, do you accept it? Well, you ought to. Let Paul tell us why. Watch. The purpose of offering ourselves to God as a living sacrifice is not mystical. You might think of it, whoa, that's so out there. We are to offer ourselves a living and holy sacrifice unto the Lord our God. That sounds mystical. It's not. In reality, Paul is saying here, it's very practical. Paul is teaching us very clearly that devotion to the Lord, our God, in, in our active and faithful ministry for Jesus, to be devoted to Him and to serve Him, they are inseparable. You can't have one without the other. It's an oxymoron to say so. A believer cannot be truly sacrificed and devoted to Jesus Christ and remain inactive in serving Him. Let me repeat that. That's very important. A true believer in Jesus Christ cannot be truly sacrificed, truly devoted to Jesus Christ, and remain inactive in serving Him within the body of Christ. That's a call in your life, in my life. Now, we cannot do it, but then you'll miss all the blessings. And He will end up finding someone else to bless. But He has asked us, actually He has commanded us to serve Him. That's a call in your life and my life. We cannot be truly successful in serving the Lord without being genuinely devoted to Him. That maybe is why we have spent, Paul has, so much time in our salvation to understand how much God loves us, that He has given us everlasting life. He, he wants to just pour out this gift for you and me, and he wants you and me to be secure in who we are in Christ, to realize that there's no way that we're going to lose this wonderful salvation that we have. So therefore, because he has given us so much, we ought to give back to him in return. 
There's not a godly commitment without a God-blessed ministry, and there is no God-blessed ministry without a godly commitment. Be committed to the Lord. It's the greatest privilege in the world. Now, here's, here's the twist in all of this. It, it starts with, with verse 3 and verse 6 because it says that none of us are exempt. And uh, You hear people saying, I don't have the time right now. I don't have the talent right now. I don't have the treasure right now. I can't do what's asked of me. That's not true. You can do it. We all can. Verse 3 says, Paul says, I say to everyone among you. Verse 6 says, let each of you exercise them, your gifts, accordingly. Each of us. To say that a believer truly loves the Lord and yet not obey Him, that's impractical. To say that they can surrender to the Lord but not in return minister to Him, it's not practical. True worship cannot be divorced from service, obedience, and worship. There is no, from verses 3 through verse 6 of chapter 12, there is absolutely no earthly excuse that you and I have to explain away our not serving the Lord our God. He asks of us. We have studied in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, the first obligation of a bond servant of Jesus Christ is to worship Him, to offer ourselves a living holy sacrifice, which of course must be acceptable. And we already taught the whole idea of being acceptable. God says there's only one way to come to Him. That is through His Son, Jesus Christ, and He alone. So that is what is acceptable to God. So we are to give of our bodies a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to God. That's a fundamental requirement for every single believer. Only as a living sacrifice can we be what God wants us to be. Only as a living sacrifice can you and I do what God has called us to do. And it's a choice that you and I must make. We are, as it says in 1 Peter, we read three weeks ago, so I don't expect you to remember it, but we are living stones that are being built up in this altar and presenting it to God And only then can we then prove what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. God's order for us as children of His is obedience, then worship, and then service. Obedience, worship, and then service. Remember what, maybe you won't, but in the Old Testament, Samuel famously questioned the people. One of my favorite places, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. 1 Samuel 15, verse 22. Samuel asks this question. He says, Has the Lord your God as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as he has in obeying the voice of the Lord? He is saying, as they were sacrificing these rams and they were making burnt offerings before the Lord, and yet they weren't obedient, he asks them a question. Has God as much delight in these burnt offerings that we are giving to the Lord than He has in obeying His voice. He answers the question in that same verse, 1 Samuel 15, 22. He says, Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. To heed is better than the fat of the lambs. And that, that principle holds true today for you and me. 
It is better to be obedient than anything else that you and I have to offer unto the Lord, to obey the voice of the Lord our God. Well, when it comes to verses 3 through 8, Paul then adds this marvelous truth. Although Jesus Christ sent forth you and me as his servants with a common commission, a common purpose in living, he then equips you and me for that responsibility with different gifts. We all don't have the same gift. In fact, verses 6 through 8 barely scratch the surface, as I've mentioned to you, of all the gifts that are given out by the Lord God, the Holy Spirit. It appears that our Lord's divine plan for us as a body of Christ is unity in message, the same message, that is to never change, but what differs amongst us is our gifts. There is a diversity of service. The primary purpose of chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, is to make clear that although you and I must enter into that place of usefulness for the Lord, with the same self-sacrifice unto the Lord, nonetheless, you and I are equipped with uniquely distinct and different gifts. Let me give you just an example, for instance. Two people are teachers. One teaches children, really enjoys it, loves teaching the kids, not very comfortable with adults. Then there's others of us who love teaching adults but wouldn't go near the kids. Not that we don't love the kids. I absolutely I love the kids. In fact, I got a gift from Grace just a little while ago. Gracie, I see you. Thank you, precious. I love kids, but they're too squirrely for me to teach. They just It doesn't seem like they're listening to anything. But you guys at least fake it. You, pretend, <laughs> you, you, you kind of look like you're paying attention, and that helps me. But, but on in, in another hand, a teacher, one teacher might want to teach to a large group of people, and another want to teach to a small gathering of people. It, gifts vary. They vary from person to person. Which leads me to ask the question, when I was studying this, which gift is more important to the Lord? Of course, they all are. They're all of equal importance. That's what I was saying to you earlier. Whoever is the pastor of our church, and I want to pound this home to you, especially through me, because I believe this with all my heart. I'm not any more special than anyone else. I know that some people like for the pastor to be that. I like They like for him to be important in the community. None of us is more important than the other. And, and woe to those that do. Let me just share with you. When I, when I said to the, the, the staff person over at, at Hutch's church, man, if I could get out of doing this, this is so intimidating. And he just laughed. He said, I can't tell you how many of them want to do it. They begged me to have this position. Uh, and why? Basically because they wanted the recognition. And, and, and that's when he said to me, no wonder Hutch wanted you to do this. You're just like him in that respect. It's, it's kind of what it is. It's, we're not more important than the other. And, and, and if we ever think we are, then we get, we're in a deep trouble, no matter what our gift might be. I remember, you guys won't know this person. It was a long time ago. When I was over at Yorba Linda Friends Church, there was a, a, a gentleman there by the name of Dave Flock. Remember Mickey? David Flock. What a saint. You remember him very well. What a saint of God. He had the gift of helps. He, he would move chairs. He would, you, 
he could do it all when it comes to cleaning up a place. But he, when he was first saved, he used to get mad at some of the guys that weren't doing their work. They were just talking, yap, 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 yap. And they weren't doing any work, and he used to get irritated. Until one day, he was starting to learn more about his faith, and he walked over, and he was about to confront these two people yakking. And you know what they were yakking about, he said? They were yakking about salvation. This guy was trying to lead this guy to Christ. And Dave says he felt intimidated doing that. He much would rather move chairs. And so what he did was he went back to his business of moving chairs and never once again complained about anybody yapping because he felt all he had to do was pray for them that they were sharing the gospel and he'd move chairs and let them share Christ. Which gift was more important? They're both the same. They're both the same, folks. We're all in this together. Let me tell you why I know they're both the same because the one who gave you your gift by gift, has been God is God Almighty, and He doesn't give you a gift that is of not of no use, and of no value. We're all in this together, and so no gift is more important. So as long as I'm here as the pastor of this church, I will accept that responsibility fully, absolutely fully. But I do not want you to think for one second that I'm full of that position. I don't care. It's We're all equal in this thing. And I feel more comfortable just being one of the one of the group than I do someone that sticks out. Now, I accept the responsibility. I do. And I know when much is given, much is required. I understand that as well. And so I'm, I'm willing to, to accept the responsibility. But I just want you to know that I would love, as long as I'm here, to just be one of the guys and girls. I'd love to be a part because I believe that it is the Lord that gifted you and me and he doesn't look upon either one of us as more important than the other. Now the question is, are you using your gift? That's the question. Are you allowing it to lie dormant? I hope not. There's nothing sadder than to receive a gift from the Lord God Almighty and then just put it aside because you say, I, I don't have enough talent. Ooh, I don't have enough time. None of us have enough time. I don't have enough treasure. I don't have enough this, that, or the other. And that's, that's just, that's not true. Let me show you. Let me prove it to you. Paul makes it crystal clear in verses 3, 4, and 5, and 6. Listen to him. He makes it clear that he is encouraging every single one of us. Verse 3. Verse 4, he makes it clear that although you and I do not have the same function, in verse 6, he says, also our, our gifts differ according to the graces that is given to us. Nonetheless, he says that we all have the same, verse 6, we all have the same part, all have the same function within the church of Jesus Christ. We all have gifts that have been given to us by God the Holy Spirit and the obligation in verse 6 is to exercise them accordingly on His behalf and in His power. Let me give you a, a thought concerning these gifts mentioned here in verse 6, 7, 8, which look at them, of course, but they're not all the gifts. There's so many more. But he mentions prophecy and faith and service and teaching, exhorting, giving, lending, uh, mercy, 
he, off, he, he mentions all of these gifts. Now, if someone is having trouble understanding how do these gifts or others, how do they apply to me personally, and then you figure, I don't know what to do, so you, you're slow to get started, that is not because you can normally not figure out what your gift is. Most likely it is because you have not come to the terms with the dedication of the requirements that are written in verses 1 through 6. Let me read them to you again. I urge you, by the mercies of God, present your body to God, a living and holy sacrifice, which is acceptable to Him. It's your spiritual service of worship. I'm kind of reading it as I would when I'm at home, just kind of reading through. And do not be conformed to this world. Rather, transform yourself by the renewing of your mind so that you would prove what the will of God is. That's which is good, acceptable, and perfect. For through the grace that is given to me, Paul says to you and me, I say to every single one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Rather, think as to have sound judgment. Think as that God has allowed you a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually we are members one of another. We need one another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace that has been given to us, let us exercise them accordingly. The fact of the matter is, folks, the only reason someone is not using their gift is because they just rebelled against God. They have not given their lives as a living and holy sacrifice which is acceptable to Him, which is their spiritual service of worship. And as God's Spirit moves through them with His marvelous serving power, He enables you to do what God has called you to do. It, you don't have to worry. Three weeks ago, I mentioned to you Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8, 9, and 10. For by grace you and, you and I have been saved through faith. Not, not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. It's not a result of works so that none of us should boast. So, but verse 10, verse 10 ministered to me Saturday around 1.15, really earlier, but just before the service I had to do for Kenny Hutchinson, verse 10 ministered to me over and over and over again. It says in verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, you and I are God's workmanship. It says in verse 10, you and I have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. When I sat there scared to death, I thought to myself, wait a minute, I don't need to be afraid. I'm God's workmanship. I've been created in Christ Jesus for this moment. Because it goes on to say, which God has prepared beforehand so that you would just walk in it. In 1970-something, in 1970 I met Kenny Hutchison. It was, um, I guess it was as close to first love as I've ever experience outside of my wife. I saw, when I saw Kay walk in the rest, this is a rabbit trail, rabbit trail for sure, but it deserves it. It deserves being said. I was sitting in a restaurant called Mateo's, and my wife and her sister and the owner of the restaurant come walking down the aisle, 
And I saw this beautiful, beautiful young girl in a purple dress that went to the floor, scoop neck, tan, walking towards me. And I thought to myself, wow, (laughs) I'd love to meet her. And the guy that owned the place was called Maddie. And I said, Maddie, who are your friends? (laughs) He said, none of your business. I said, will you join me? Now, it's his restaurant, and I'm asking him to join me. And he says, no, we're going in the back. And we went in the back, and I spun around because I knew there was only one way out of that place. I knew that restaurant really well. And I knew that she was coming out of that restaurant. Kay had to walk this way. And when she walked, I said, excuse me, what's your name? And she said, Kay. And I said, uh, you staying here on the island long? We were in Hawaii. And... Uh, She said, yeah, for a while. And I said, well, I'd love to see you. Let's get together. And she said, no. (laughs) And I said, well, if you give me your phone number at work or something, I'll give you a call. Maybe we can get together. She gave me her number. (laughs) That was was meeting her. Getting to know Hutch, I guess that's as close as I could ever have had a man crush on anybody. I'll tell you, that guy was... uh, He was worthy of any and everybody's love. He was probably one of the nicest, purest, most godly human being I have ever known. And when I met him in 1970-something in that conference in Chicago, little did I know that um, some, I don't know how many years afterwards, I would be speaking at his funeral. You see, that was never the plan. I'm 15 years older than him, 14. The plan was he was to speak at my funeral. That was the plan. And he was more than willing to do that. And so when I was sitting there scared to death, wondering why, God, why would you have me, of all people, do this? I realized that I was God's workmanship. I realized that I was created in Christ Jesus for good works. I realized that God had prepared this time way back then in 1970-something. He knew that this was going to take place. All he asked me to do was walk in it. I say you that story because I know you're scared sometimes to do something for the Lord. It's intimidating. I get it. I do. I get it. It's intimidating. I've gotten over the fact that I don't get nervous anymore to speak. I've been doing it so long now. It's, it's kind of like I'm a veteran. I, I get it. But there's times when I'm still intimidated, times when I, uh, I am, I'm very nervous like I was Saturday and not so much Sunday at their church as I was at that memorial. And that's when you have to reach on to and hold on to God and realize that he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he wants to bless you more than you could ever imagine. When Kay and I left... Seattle area started to come back here to Southern California I said to her well I think that's the highlight of my life I don't think uh, I don't think I've ever done anything quite like that in my life as a believer in Jesus Christ true to my wife for me she's my biggest cheerleader she said oh you kidding you've done hundreds of things better than that well that was her way of saying attaboy I don't want you to miss that opportunity. I don't want you to say, I, I don't have enough time. I, I don't have enough talent. Who 
who amongst us is least talented than me to do what I do? You have no idea how in, under under um, qualified I am. But God is amazing. And I think he takes the weak things of this world to confound those who are strong. I believe that's true. And so I'm not trying to, you know, trying to cheer you on. Come on, get serving the Lord. I'm trying to say, be obedient. Listen to the Lord's voice. Allow him to bless you. Maybe he has something ahead of you that he has for me back there in Seattle. A moment in, in my life that I will never forget. Look, when, when you guys bury me and they close the casket, you know, in that drawer, I'm going to slam over and say, don't forget the time in Seattle. <laughs> that was a blessing. That was a pure, pure blessing. I want that for you. Now, before I say amen and closing prayer, I want to tell you something that's important to me. I haven't said it for three weeks. I love you so much. I want Thanks. I, I want to tell you that I, am, I, I should maybe travel a little bit more because it makes me realize how great we have it here. You guys are the best. If all the people who said to me they're going to come and visit our church, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people came up to me afterwards and said, wow, where do you speak? Wow, what do you do? Well, we, we, all of that stuff. And I, I said, well, I have a church in, in, your, in, in Anaheim Hills called the Rock Community Church. Come visit us. And, well, I'm coming, I'm coming. I'm, if they all come, we'll have to put them in the overflow room. I mean, there's, there's just not enough room. And one of them said, how big is your church? I bet it's huge. I said, yeah, we're a couple hundred people. What? Oh, you should have more than that. Oh, it's God's business, isn't it? Listen. I love you. I'm so thankful to be a part of this church. This is a great place. Great place. Father, we want to thank you for this opportunity to study your word together. And just to hear, practically speaking, how we are to serve you, Father. Paul doesn't pull any punches. He just tells us very bluntly that we ought to be serving. We ought to be doing what what we've been asked to do, what we've been gifted to do. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to give our our lives, our bodies as a living, holy sacrifice to you. It's an acceptable thing that we should do, Father. And, Father, I pray that you'll honor us by, by blessing us in return. Thank you, Father, for everybody here. In Jesus' precious name, amen.